Hello and welcome to the Conservative Crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in. Our headline story today is about Bernie Marino. He is a now former candidate for U.S. Senate from Ohio. He's dropping out. I'm going to be talking about why I think he dropped out. He says it has to do with the call with Trump. I really don't think it was that because it doesn't make any sense. But first, Virginia governor joins parents' lawsuit against a Loudoun County school board over masks. Uh, uh, Christy Nome, a C-plus conservative at best, signed a bill banning transgender participation in girls' sports. Um, Spotify has a list of liberals who have left the platform of Joe Rogan's podcast. Going to be reading that. I haven't read that yet. We're going to be reading that to see if I know anyone on that list. <laughs> see if they're even relevant in 2021 and then a... Or in 2022 and then a podcast has been deplatformed off of Spotify. So we're going to be talking about that. Virginia's governor, attorney general, and superintendent of public institution have asked a court to let them become plaintiffs in a lawsuit brought by parents against the Loudoun County Public Schools, lending new legal power to a group of parents' quest to unmask their children. After taking office last month, Governor Glenn Youngkin issued an executive order saying that parents had the right to choose whether their children must wear masks at school or not. Liberal jurisdictions such as Loudoun County refused to follow it, claiming they did not have to follow executive orders. The lawsuit includes an appendix with seven executive orders from previous Democratic Governor Ralph Nordham, including one that made masks mandatory in schools. No school district defined those orders and far from claiming at the time that the executive orders were optional for school systems, school officials routinely invoked them as a reason that their hands were tied. Uh, Attorney General uh, Mayeres, uh, Jason Mayeres, said in a statement that when the pandemic started, Governor Norton used his emergency powers to close down places of worship, private businesses, and schools, and impose a universal mask mandate. Nearly two years later, Governor Youngkin is using those same emergency powers to adapt to our current phase in the same pandemic by giving parents the ability to opt out of a school mask mandate. The suit from the parents cite Daily Wire's reporting four times that show how schools are taking punitive action against students who invoke their right to unmask under the EO, and the Virginia's official's motion to join the suit, known as the request to intervene, also cites it. This school board, the Loudoun County School Board, is probably probably sounds familiar to you. The, the city of Loudoun, Loudoun or the county of Loudoun, Virginia, because they had a male student who dressed up as a female student, went into the female's bathroom in a skirt and raped a female student. And they said they could not punish him because that was his gender identity. Now, they are not upholding the law put in place by the governor, saying their hands, or the EOs do not affect them, do not apply to them, which is simply not true. And the double standard, and there's a problem with school boards that are so political, is that a student can identify as a woman, go into the woman's bathroom, and rape a female student. But when the governor signs an executive order banning a face mask from being required on every student... They 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 do they do not follow, so so the the politica the politicization I don't know the, how to properly pronounce that word I guess of school boards of education is a problem. 
and parents and students, and I don't want to ban masks in school. I want to make that clear. I don't want to ban them. But I do want to ban mandates. Because I don't think mandates are necessary. We know how helpful masks are. They've talked about them so often about how effective they are. And Governor Youngkin signing this executive order is a good thing. This lawsuit is a good thing. And we should be standing up against the school boards who do not uphold the will of the governor, who was rightfully elected by a majority of Virginians to the governor's office. And just just not upholding his executive orders and not following the orders by the governor is a problem. And I, I applaud this this lawsuit. So Governor Nome signs a bill banning transgender participation in girls' sports. This is an old story. And she said that previously she would not sign this. She, she would not sign this similar legislation. I'm trying to find if this article has anything about that. It doesn't. But she previously got rid of a bill who, which she basically had the same premise as this bill. But she got rid of the bill and said either it wasn't necessary that she didn't support it, one of the two. What changed now? It's a good question. Besides the fact that, let's see here, 2022 South Dakota gubernatorial election. Does she have a tough Republican challenger? I don't know about Stephen Haugard, but he is a Republican challenger. He may be strong, I don't know. But something's telling me that the challenger has done something to her, has has incentivized her to to actually do something conservative. And this bill doesn't honestly do a lot. There are a lot of men and women's sports and on the college level especially. And this is school sports, not not national sports. Not that I think there are many national figures that are men and women's sports, but anyways, it's it applies to high school. And I think it applies to um college as well. And this legislation doesn't do a lot. It's basically a a test for the conservative governors if they'll sign it or not. South Dakota Governor Christy Noem signed a bill that will ban transgender female athletes from participating in girls' or women's school sports. The bill is about fairness, the Republicans said during a news conference Thursday after signing Senate Bill 46, which will prohibit transgender athletes from competing in girls' sports. It's about allowing biological females to compete fairly on a level playing field that gives them opportunities for success. Positioned her signing signing of the bill as a defense of Title IV, uh, um, or Title IX, I don't know what IX means. I'm not a scholar in um, Roman numerals. Let me Google it to make sure I'm correct. Title IX, Title IX. Federal civil rights law that prohibits uh, discrimination in school and ed- edu- education programs on the basis of sex. Title uh, IX fought that 
for years that years and years ago that I've been doing this for years would start a man. I'm a, oh, so this is a a very unedited quote. Title nine fought for that years and years ago, and I've been doing this for years, which started in man almost five years ago now in the sport of rodeo where we protected girls' events. She said in the bill last month. The push for the legislation comes after the governor controversially vetoed similar oh, here it is. Uh, vetoed similar legislation last year, sending it back to the legislature with request to change provisional related to college sports, which she said would be unworkable for organizations that compete on a national level. She defended that action last month, saying that she has worked to put policies in place to protect girls' sports. Christy Nome is giving me the same sort of vibe as Greg Abbott. Greg Abbott is a conservative person who has gotten a tough primary challenger, multiple of them, and then decided to become conservative again. He's talked about how he's going to finish the wall, finish the wall, finish the wall, but he hasn't done it. He's talked about being conservative this, conservative that, but he's a C-plus conservative at best, and that's what I'm going to start doing is C-plus. Christy Nome is C-plus at best. Greg Abbott is C-plus at best. And when they face tough primary challengers, they're going to turn into more B and B minus or B plus conservatives to keep their office, to keep their power. And so are we going to continue electing these C plus conservatives to these offices because they have done a few good things? Or are we going to elect conservatives who can do better things? In that office, just because they're an incumbent doesn't mean they have to serve two terms. And we can remove them from office by by electing someone different, of course. Who will actually do something and be actually conservative. Because just because someone's an incumbent does not mean that they... And they're a halfway conservative doesn't mean they're better than someone who's not an incumbent but is very conservative. And that's my take on that. When we come back, Bernie Moreno has dropped out of the Senate race in Ohio. We're going to be talking about that and why I don't think that his private meeting with Trump had a whole lot to do with his dropping out. We're going to be talking about that when we return here on the Conservative Crusader. I turn up my voice channel. Welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader. I unmuted, but I, f- I forgot I turned the channel down as well, so it didn't work out very well. February 2nd was the last declaration of candidacy day for partisan candidates. And they had a 5 by 4 p.m., 90 days before the primary election. We've seen a lot of candidates tweeting about how they have 
been able to get enough petitions to get on the ballot. You have to have, I think it's 3,000, I don't know, petitions to run for Senate in Ohio. To run for Senate. Let's see here if it can say ballot access requirements. I don't know the exact number. I probably should have memorized this if possible. I don't know. It doesn't say on this page. But anyways, you had to get a certain amount of petitions. I know a lot of people have been getting like 3,000 or something to get on the ballot from all across the country. From all across the state, I should say. That was two days ago. And last night, Bernie Marino, who is a Greater Cleveland auto dealer has dropped out of the race. I'm sure if you're from Ohio, you've seen his commercials. I know I have plenty of times. He has dropped out saying he has followed a meeting with former President Trump who holds considerable sway over Republicans and is considering whether or not to endorse in the race, according to Andrew Tobias at Cleveland.com. I asked for a private meeting with President Trump this afternoon to discuss the state of the Ohio Senate race. I'm a businessman, not a politician. Business leaders recognize patterns before they happen. After talking to President Trump, we both agreed this race is too many Trump candidates and could cost the MAGA movement a conservative seat. (laughs) There is a few candidates who consider themselves MAGA candidates. And then there's one who doesn't. And, And that's basically the makeup now. And let, let, let's look at polling, because I have polling here up on my computer. I actually have something prepared for once. That's a first. Give me some applause for that. Not giving myself applause. It'd be corny. Matt Dolan is not polling above 5%. He is the non-Trump candidate. Bernie Marino is polling about 6%. Altogether, the Trump candidates are not losing to Matt Dolan. Altogether, let's add up the percentages here that are decided in the most recent poll, which has Josh Mandel at 28%. Does it say where this poll's from? Oh, it's sponsored by Mike, uh, or by uh, Mandel's campaign. So, so let's look here. Let me, let me pull my ca- calculator. So we have 28 for Josh Mandel. 17 for Mike Gibbons. These are all candidates running under the trip Trump ticket. Bernie Marino is 6. Jane Timken is 9. Without even adding Timken's 9, they're at 51%. Jane Timken added another 60. 13 because J.D. Vance is running as a Trumper. And so he has 73. Plus 22. That's 95. Plus Matt Dolan's 5. That makes 100. So saying that there are too many... MAGA candidates in a race is not a reason to drop out in a primary. Now, in this primary, now I, I would not say the same for the governor primary in Ohio where Mike DeWine is pulling eight points behind Renacy and we have another candidate jumping in the race. I'm not giving his campaign any attention as of right now, uh, Ron Hood's campaign. And I want to read Trump's statement. Bernie Moreno, and this is, this is from, as, as far as I know, the first thing that Trump has said about this Ohio Senate race. Bernie Moreno of Ohio is leaving the, Senate ra- the race for Senate, but I would like to thank him for his time and effort of, that, and of his, that and that of his wonderful family. 
I was very impressed with Bernie, who was tough on illegal immigration, which after the Biden disaster at the border has become a big issue for all candidates. He has done much for Ohio and loves his state and our great MAGA movement. His decision will help ensure the MAGA ticket wins big as it is all over the country. Thank you, Bernie, for your support and keep fighting. So Trump will endorse in this race. Trump is going to endorse in this U.S. Senate race. I know that for a fact now. This, this is giving me that he is going to do it vibe. Bernie Moreno, his top polling. Let's see what his top polling number is. Bernie Moreno. His top poll was 17, and that was in September of 2021. And then he went to 1%31329 in a poll sponsored by, that was a Timken poll. So, so what I'm saying is, I don't think Bernie Moreno had a lot of impact on the race. But these polling numbers, his chances aren't too promising. And I don't think that he had enough positions to get on the ballot. Because these, these polls, if I understand how they are administered, are via phone calls, or text messages. I, I have never worked for a polling firm, but that'd be my guess. Is either phone phone calls or text messages. Seeing here if it says anywhere. And, and it's basically testing name recognition. But name recognition and people on the phone cannot sign a petition. You have to be in person and physically sign a petition with a pen. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. So I was on, looking at the wrong column here. So the 17% in September who supported Bernie Moreno were 17% who watch 10 TV all day, and they've seen his commercials all day. And he has a name recognition that's stuck in their head. That's basically this entire campaign, is this whole... How do I say it? This this name recognition has been his entire campaign. It's an important thing in politics. But when your name recognition is 17% and you decide to drop out in a race where Matt Dolan wasn't even on that poll. He had 0% on that poll. So in a primary where the non-Trump candidate is pulling at 6% at most, and that was in September... There's no reason to drop out unless you can't, unless you have lost interest in running or you just don't want to, you don't want to run anymore or you really can't get the petitions to get on the ballot. That, that, that's my, that's my guess with what happened here. I'm excited to see who Trump endorses and that, that's my take on this and, and I wanted to bring this up on the show because this race is very important. The Senate race is a seat that if it flips to Tim Ryan, who is a strong candidate, there will be a tough time for the Republicans in Washington. So it's a very important race. We're going to be talking about it a lot more, wink, wink, here very soon here on the Conservative Crusader.
as we navigate through this tough political climate in Ohio. Trying to figure out who will receive Trump's endorsements and who will win in May. So let's move on. This is a a fun segment. Here's who have left Spotify because of Joe Rogan. Neil Young. This is from CNN Business. Joni Mitchell. I don't know who that is. Uh, David Crosby, Stephen Stills, and Graham Nash. Um, They were formerly in a band with Neil Young. I don't know who that is either. India Ari. Who is calling Rogan a racist. I don't know who that is either. Mary Trump has taken her podcast, her her Mary Trump show off the off the platform. So I know one name out of all of them who have boycotted Spotify. Now I'm not going to say I'm the most hip into pop culture. I'm not going to say I'm the most um brushed up for for lack of a better term on popular musicians on on pop culture. But I am going to say that I don't know who any of these people are. And Spotify deciding to try to get a war with these people over there, number one podcast is kind of is kind of surprising. And this is the next surprise is the next scary article. So while before we get to it, please follow me on Gab, please 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 GOP Josh is my at gab.com slash GOP Josh. It's free. Creating a parallel economy. Stu Peters. I'm sure you all have heard of him. He is a very successful podcaster. He is a former bounty hunter. He has been deleted from Spotify. I use a Spotify service to upload this podcast to all of the platforms. That's that's the scary part. A right-wing shock jock known for making inflammatory and false claims, including baselessly calling the COVID-19 vaccine a bioweapon, has his daily podcast removed from Spotify late last year. This is uh, from February 3rd, an article. Uh, on the Daily Beast, so just be prepared for the language with the, the, the Daily Beast. Spotify prohibits content on the platform which promotes a dangerous, false, or dangerous deceptive content about COVID-19 that may sp- cause online harm and or pose a threat to public health. When uh, Spotify's spokesperson asked when uh, asked about the Stu Peters show, when content that violates this standard is identified, the appropriate enforcement action is taken. Unlike the traditional cast of Trump loyalists and Fox News adjacent pundits who populate the conservative talk radio ecosystem, Peters takes his musing to a new level, often accusing even the most pro-Trump allies of being insufficiently MAGA. Furthermore, Peters has re- repeatedly spread quarterback conspiracy theories about the COVID-19 vaccine, calling it a military bioweapon. Now, iHeartMedia has also removed the podcast. A Peter-hosted podcast, uh, patriotically correct, did not respond to multiple requests from co- for comment from the Daily Beast. I don't watch Stu Peters a lot. I have I have watched Stu Peters occasionally, but I don't watch him a lot. But knowing that they are willing to take down content they disagree with, knowing that they're willing to to sit on the freedom of speech and, and take that away for Stu Peters, to take that away for independent voices. And, and and knowing they're willing to do that is kind of scary. So 
I'm going to end the episode here with with that thought in your mind. So make sure you join my Telegram, JP Josh, uh, t.me slash JP Josh. Follow me on Gab, Getter, Instagram, Twitter. Subscribe to me on other platforms other than Spotify. I'm literally anywhere you can get a podcast. Find a place I'm not. Email it to me, jpjosh.com. I will get myself on there. <laughs> my name is JP Josh. And this is the Conservative Crusader. And we'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow is Saturday. We'll be back Monday with a brand new episode. Stay tuned.